Well, good morning. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're a guest with us, I really want to welcome you. Make sure you know that we're happy you're here. Hope that you will get plugged in and uh, become part of our body here. Uh, I want to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 15 through 23 as we continue our sermon series through the book of Ephesians and where we are finding in Christ everything that's missing in us. And so I'm going to read verses 15 through 23. Hear now God's holy, true, and life-giving word. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, might give you the Spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much that you are gracious and kind, merciful to us. That for those here who have faith in you, you have united us to Christ by faith. You've promised us so many amazing things in Christ. And you have revealed these things to us through your word and your spirit and through your son. And we do pray now that you will bless our time as we... Look at this passage. Would you speak to us? Would you teach us? Would you shape us and help us to be even more equipped and excited to continue our mission to make disciples? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We uh, had a little mishap on the way home from an event yesterday. Family and I were up in the Oviedo area, and um, when we got back to our trusty minivan, it didn't start. And um, fortunately, there was a woman there who pulled up next to me and gave us a jump, so we got we got going again. But as soon as we were going, um, there were some things kind of happening. My wife wisely said, maybe we shouldn't take the highway back home. It's a good thing she said that. Um, as we were trying to make our way home, all of a sudden, all the gauges on my dashboard started um, moving, blinking, swinging. Um, it was a veritable dashboard party. Um, I, I, to- I like to party, but I was not happy about this one. And um, the gauges were even waving back and forth. Pretty soon, everything just was dead. My son was like, Dad, how do you know how fast you're going? And I said, I don't. And, um, and so we ended up... Uh, Eventually, the, the van lost power, 
And we ended up having to pull over into a parking lot, fortunately, that we were able to kind of coast into. Um, it was at that point that we called a tow truck, and we also called a friend. Uh, Hannah called Amanda Nutalicki, and who quickly came and picked us up. So we're really thankful to Amanda. Amanda also, by the way, is the one who painted the artwork with the butterfly, the chrysalis, and all the things that we are recognizing about our incompleteness. And then she put passages from the book of Ephesians on the butterfly. If you have not taken a moment to stare at that thing, please do. It's really beautiful. So not only is Amanda a talented artist, but she came and picked us up too. So she's a good friend. Uh, she took us home. The van went to the shop. And um, what was it? Yeah. I knew it. It was the alternator. So uh, the, the guy at the shop told us that you're going to need a new alternator. And I knew that because I've seen that, that dashboard party before. And, uh, and I, was, I was hoping somehow it wouldn't be that, but it was that. And uh, the bottom line is that then, then we're faced with a choice, right? You, we either buy a new alternator or we don't drive our van. Those are kind of the two choices, okay? Because vans don't work without their alternator. And um, now uh, we're actually, we're Dave Ramsey people, so we had our emergency funds. We were able to go ahead and pay for that new alternator. Um, and the van is back moving again. And the reason I tell this story is because the reality of where we're at as we're, as we're studying the book of Ephesians is that story can kind of help us think about the importance of something in particular. Um, last week we talked about Paul had, had listed all these amazing blessings that we have in Christ. And now... He's going to be praying for something, praying for yet another list of things that he's wanting for his readers and for us as well. And all these things are going to be dependent on something. They're going to be dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way that our van, our family's not moving forward in our van without an alternator, we as a church family are not going to move forward in our spiritual walk with Christ together, without the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the hope is today that as we study this passage, we will see that the work of the Holy Spirit is essential to our spiritual growth and experience of fullness in Christ. That the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, is absolutely essential to our spiritual growth and therefore our experience of fullness in Christ, of finding in Christ everything that's missing in us. And so here's how we'll know if we're really um, embracing what Paul is saying in this passage. If we, if we leave here today wanting the Holy Spirit to be more at work in our lives and in us as a body of Christ, if we're wanting more of the work of the Holy Spirit, and then we're also willing to do something about it, then... I think we'll be understanding this passage, so we'll see if we can get there. Uh, we're going to talk about two things. I want to talk about Paul's praise. He's going to praise this congregation that he's writing to and talk quickly about something that he sees in them, hears about them. And then we're going to talk about Paul's prayer. He's going to pray that the Holy Spirit's going to do certain things, give them certain things. So, all this to see the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's start with Paul's praise. Look at verses 15 and the first part of verse 16. Okay. And what we want to see here is that Paul takes this moment to praise the church that he's writing to for their spiritual progress. Okay. Take a look. Verse 15, he says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. 
Now let's think about this for a moment because it'd be very easy for us to cruise right past that verse and move on to his prayer and all these things that he's praying about that we would receive through the Holy Spirit. But he put it there and he actually puts things like this in a lot of his letters. If you look at the beginning of the book of Romans or the beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians or the beginning of the book of Colossians, he will mention the faith of the people he's writing to. He will mention their love for one another. He will mention things that he's hearing about them. He will mention that he's thankful for them. And really what he's doing is he's encouraging them, he's praising them for the spiritual progress that he can see already. He's praising them or he's acknowledging that uh, God is at work among them because he's heard about these things. Now, he's not saying they've arrived. He's not saying that you're all done. Your sanctification is complete. You can just sit back and wait for Jesus to return. Later in the book, he's going to talk about the need for more maturity. But yet, even still, he takes a moment and he says, look, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about the way you guys love one another. And I think he does it because he's one, he's practicing what he preaches. Uh, In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11, he says, encourage one another and build one another up. So I think that's one of the reasons that he's praising them in this moment. He's encouraging them in this moment. Uh, but he's doing it because if you think about it, when, when people are encouraged about what's already happening, it gives them some confidence to keep going, right? And he's going to talk about some things they really need from the Holy Spirit. He's going to want them to want to keep going. So I think he's giving them this encouragement, both so that they realize he can see God is at work among them, but also so that they have an appetite for more of God's work among them. So he takes this moment to encourage. And I was thinking about this. Um, I, I like to try to apply what the text says before I preach it whenever possible. And so I was thinking about this and I wanted to think about when, when have I been encouraging people? When have I encouraged them or praised them for the spiritual progress I can see in their life? And I was like, man, this is not good. I could not come up with uh, nearly as many examples as I would have liked. And I realized this is an area, a big gap for me. Um, I'm not somebody who regularly tries to catch people trusting Christ and point it out. But since I had read this and that was on my heart and I, and I realized I want to be a person who stops and says, hey, I can see God at work in you. I did have an opportunity to do that. I was with a friend of mine who has told me in recent weeks that he's been praying that God would help him be bolder and to say things that need to be said. And it just so happened that this past week, that very friend was saying to me some things that need to be said. And as I'm hearing these things, I'm thankful for what he's saying. But then it also, it, the, I remembered this passage and I thought, oh, okay. And as soon as he was done saying these things that he needed to say, I thanked him for them. And then I said, hey, guess what? You know how you've been wanting the Lord to help you be bolder in saying things that need to be said? And he said, yes. And I said, you just did it. You just did that right now. And it was really beautiful. I just saw his face light up. He smiled. And I was seeing that, yes, that's why Paul does this. That's why he's an encourager. And I'm sure it made my friend want God to work even more in his life. And I think what we're seeing here in Paul's stopping to talk about what he's seen or heard about among them is this, that walking with Christ is hard and every step should be celebrated. Walking with Christ is hard, and we can celebrate every step. How do we apply this? I think as a church body, we try to make a habit of uh, pointing out any visible spiritual progress 
in the people that we are interacting with. Think about how this impacts you and your community group. Right? Looking for the ways you're seeing people trust God. Looking for the ways you're seeing people love one another and then saying, hey, I see you doing that. What if we could be a congregation that catches people trusting God more often and says something about it? You know, the best part is like when you're pointing out what spiritual progress you see in someone, you're actually praising God. Because as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it's God who gives the growth. So that first thing, just recognizing that Paul, before he's going to pray for all these wonderful things, he praises them, he acknowledges that God is at work among them. We should do that too. Now let's talk about Paul's prayer. Look at 16, the second part of 16 through verse 23. Here's what we need to see here. Paul prays for God to give the church more of his spirit for his glory and for their experience of fullness in Christ. And here's where we're really needing to recognize the absolute essential nature of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as a body of believers. He's praying here that God would give this church more of his spirit for God's glory and for their experience of fullness. So looking at 16, second half of 16, remembering that last week we looked at how he had listed all these blessings that we have through our faith in Christ. Now he's going to list things that we can only really get or get more of through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 16b. Uh, he says, remembering you in my prayers. And then here's his prayers. Here's what he's praying for them and really for all churches. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom of, and of revelation and of knowledge. I want to stop there for a second. Make sure we see what's happening here when he says his prayer is that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit. If you're looking in your Bible, you probably noticed that the word spirit is capitalized. And that's because most scholars believe Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit here. Now, some of us might be saying, now, wait a minute. They already have the Holy Spirit. He talked about that in last week's passage. And we know that the Spirit has to be active in someone coming to Christ. He's not praying that God would give them the Spirit for the first time. Most scholars agree that he is talking about giving them more of the Spirit, more of what the Spirit does in our lives. So he's saying, he's praying that God would give them more of his spirit for his glory. That's why he particularly mentions the father of glory. So more of his spirit for his glory. And to recognize that what he's doing here is he's showing that all these things that come now after are things that come through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about how the Holy Spirit would come and whom the Father would send, he says in John 14, 6, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He said that to his disciples. And he didn't mean all at once, right? He meant over their time. The Holy Spirit would continue to show things to them. And that's what he does for us too. So what? What does the Holy Spirit do? What is Paul praying that God would give the Holy Spirit to this congregation for. Take a look at verse 17b. He says, wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Wisdom, that word means, you know, knowing how or what to do in different situations. Revelation. It's a word that means uncovering or disclosing. Okay, so he's talking about God making things known to us for his glory through his spirit. Knowledge. 
He's most likely there talking about not just knowing more facts about God, but really knowing him. I thought about spending a lot of time explaining what each of these means, and then I realized, I'm like, wait, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit needs to do these things. To reveal these things. And what is, well, how does the Holy Spirit work? How does the Holy Spirit do these things? Through God's word, and he works in our hearts. Notice verse 18, he says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. It's the way the Holy Spirit works in our hearts is through his word. And it's like he raises the, the lights in a dark room. So that we can see things that were always there in his word. Um, I was thinking about this. And when we moved into the house that we live in now, the, um, the previous owners had made a choice. You know how there's like soft white bulbs and then there's daylight bulbs? Okay, if you're a daylight bulb person, warn me before I come over. When we, when we moved into this house, we would turn on the lights and they had all daylight bulbs everywhere. It was so bright that we would like squint. We would look at the sun just to get a break from the brightness. I mean, it was, it was, that was a joke, kids, don't ever look at the sun. Okay, but we would, it was just unbelievable how bright these lights were. So one, we switched out those bulbs. And then the other thing we did is we put in some dimmers. And it's really interesting because dimmers, you can go, you can make it more dim, but also you can, when you start with a dark room, you can slowly make it brighter, 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 brighter. And when that happens, what's happening is you're, you begin to see more and more of what's in the room, right? It was always there. You're just able more and more to see it. And Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would enable us to see these things, not only to have wisdom and revelation and knowledge, but also to begin to see more. That he would open the eyes of my heart, Lord, if you remember singing that. Like what? What, is, what does he want us to see more of through the work of the Holy Spirit? Look at verse 18. Um, B, the second part of verse 18, he says that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. In other words, God has shown us what he's called us to, this great hope that we have. And by the way, the word hope, when we see it in the New Testament, it's really, you can almost read it as expectation what we can expect in the future from God. He's called us to this absolutely beautiful hope, but we need the Holy Spirit to raise the lights and help us actually see how beautiful it is, this wonderful hope that he's called us to. He also, the Holy Spirit, needs to raise the lights uh, in our hearts on the fact that we are God's glorious inheritance. Look at verse 18 the last part there where he says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, let me make sure we recognize something here. Paul is there not talking about our inheritance. He's talking about the fact that we are God's inheritance. We are his possession. We are his glorious inheritance. And only the Holy Spirit, through God's word, can raise the lights on that fact in our hearts. Wait a second. We are God's inheritance? We are what God is looking forward to having in his presence? That's a powerful thought. In fact, uh, one scholar writes about this verse that what Paul's doing here, he says, Paul wants his readers to know, therefore, that they are of great value to God. They are rich in glory 
and they are his inheritance. This is pretty huge. Saying that the Holy Spirit needs to turn up the lights so that we will see how valuable we are to God. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce says this, God's estimate, meaning his value, God's estimate of the people of Christ united to him by faith and partakers of his resurrection life is inevitably consistent with his estimate of Christ. Paul prays here that his readers may appreciate the value which God places on them. Just imagine that. Imagine the Holy Spirit raising the lights and us seeing more and more and more just how valuable we are to God. You know, the, the, um, the highest dollar amount ever given for the purchase of a piece of art took place in 2017. In 2017, somebody bought a painting, a Leonardo da Vinci painting, and they paid $450 million for it. Okay? Now, even if you're a billionaire, I, th- I still think $450 million is a lot of money, right? Now, paintings don't have feelings. But if they did, you got to imagine that painting would feel absolutely uh, valuable, right? Somebody was willing to felt like they that, that painting was worth, the value of that painting is $450 million. If paintings had feelings, yeah, you better believe that painting would be like, oh man, I am so valuable. And you take that and you recognize that all of these things that Paul's talking about that we want to see more of through the Holy Spirit are connected to Christ and what he has done for us. Why are we God's inheritance? Why is he going to possess us for all eternity? Because Christ has died for us. In other words, God looked at us. and The value that he placed on us was his own son, that he would give his own son to die on the cross and pay for our sins so that through faith alone in him we could be reconciled to him. Now, if you think about that, that he's saying here, the Holy Spirit needs to turn the lights up on our understanding of our value to God. So we want to be, we want that to happen, right? Only the Holy Spirit can really turn the lights up on that in our hearts. And here's how you, one of the ways that you could apply this even now. Um, We've been, people have been writing on those little cards. They've been writing the things that they recognize about themselves that are incomplete. Their flaws, their gaps, their fears, their worries. And I noticed one of them. I was reading them uh, the other day. And I noticed one, and I actually, I actually thought for a second, I was like, wait, did I write that? I don't think I did. But I might have, because it hit my heart. Um, here's what it said. Somebody wrote, I look self-assured, but I'm really struggling with self-worth. I look self-assured, but I'm really struggling with self-worth. Now, imagine someone who feels that way. Imagine the Holy Spirit raising the lights on their actual worth in God's sight. Imagine God raising the lights on the value that that person actually has in God's heart. Boy, if we could see more and more of how valuable we really are to God, you better believe that all of us who struggle with self-worth won't nearly as much because we will know how valuable we are to God. And so we want the Holy Spirit to do that, to raise the lights 
on the fact that we are his glorious inheritance. Verse 19 then, he goes on to talk about uh, this great power uh, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. Here he's showing us that the only way that we really ever begin to see in our hearts, just how powerful God is, as if the Holy Spirit enlightens our hearts, turns on the lights, raises the lights on this. And this power is, uh, you know, one of the ways we've seen the power, Paul's saying here, is in God raising Christ from the dead. And so we've already seen this incredible power, and, and he's wanting us to see it even more. He's wanting us to see it and know that it's for us. In fact, he uses four different synonyms for power there. He's very, very interested in you and I, in believers, through the work of the Holy Spirit, for God's glory, having the lights raised on just how powerful God truly is. You know, the original readers, they, they, you know, they, were, uh, they were probably afraid of offending local deities. They had questions about whether the Roman government had divine power. There was all sorts of questions. That's why Paul is making sure they know Christ has been lifted up above all those things. He's above all rule, power, dominion, authority, all of it. He's over all that. So that they're not afraid of anything. So that we're not afraid. Because our king has power over all things. And that power is in Christ and it's given to us. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to that the power in Christ that it's actually for us and given to us. Look at verse 22. He says, And he and God put all things under his feet, Christ's feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And there's that word fullness that we've been talking about. Now, this is... uh, Greek grammar can be a little confusing, so let me explain what scholars think that Paul's saying here. Again, he's saying, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What Paul is doing here is he's praying that we would see through the work of the Holy Spirit more and more that Christ is over all things. Everything's been placed under his feet and that has been done for us. That's on our behalf. And so that we would experience that fullness of the one who fills all in all. How do we understand that verse? Uh, One author says that what Paul is saying is that the church is filled by Christ and Christ himself filled by God. So in other words, Christ has all the fullness of God and now he's using this unlimited power to fill us, to give us fullness as well as we grow in our relationship with him. So here is Paul talking about all these things uh, we, that we need the Spirit for. The Spirit needs to give us wisdom so we can have wisdom, revelation, knowledge, enlightenment, hope, value, understand our value, power. And maybe the best part is Paul shows us what to do. I said before at the beginning, if, if we really understand what Paul is saying here, we should, there should be a growing desire for the Spirit to do these things in our hearts and minds, right? So if we want the Holy Spirit to be at work more in us, is there anything we can do? 
Uh, yes. Yes, we can. And we can see how is it that Paul expected these things to happen in our hearts by praying for us. This is a beautiful call to pray that we as a congregation would pray these, that these things would happen to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. That we would pray this for our families, but we would also pray this for one another. And I think one of the ways we can apply this passage is to use it as a guide to be praying for one another as we continue studying this book. What if we were praying that these things that the Holy Spirit would actually give us this wisdom, this revelation, this knowledge, this enlightenment, this hope, understanding our value, experiencing more of Christ's power. This is a call to prayer. And I want to challenge all of us to be praying that the Holy Spirit would do all these things in us and among us. Keeping in mind what Jesus said in Luke 11, 11 through 13. It's amazing. He says, what father among you If his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, let's ask him. Let's commit in our personal devotions in our family worship in our community group meetings as we gather for different ministry things let's ask him let's be praying just like paul prayed for this church that the holy spirit would do all this work among them let's be praying that the holy spirit will do all these things among us as well let's make that time that it takes to pray because the reality is in the same way that Christ is the one who has accomplished our salvation. Okay, we depend on him alone for our salvation. We also want to be depending on God through the work of his Holy Spirit for our sanctification, for our growth in grace, our growth in understanding Christ and all these amazing things. So what if, what might happen if we pray as a church much more, praying that the Holy Spirit will do these things? What if the Holy Spirit begins to provide these things more and more. My assumption is that we would be so excited to see that fullness come in. You know, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it was so exciting to find out that the truck filled with food that you all filled uh, made it to where we wanted it to go, to the orphanage in Haiti. And so there's pictures on our Facebook page. Hopefully you can see that there's even a video of the truck itself being lifted uh, with chains off of the ship onto uh, the, the, the ground. And, uh, and you got to see it, and it's amazing. And, and then it, it drove all the way to the orphanage, and I was thinking just about the fact that we were praying for all that, they were praying that would come, and finally, what happens? This truck filled with food arrives. They open up the door, and they start taking it out, and you can only imagine the joy of that food arriving and the fullness that they knew they would have in their bellies. And what a great picture, what a great way to think about what we're doing now, that we would pray that the Holy Spirit who brings that fullness of Christ would come, that he would come to us through the word, that the Holy Spirit would open that gate of the truck, as it were, and all that fullness we would experience in our relationship with him, if we ask.
So let's do that now and let's do that throughout the next remaining weeks as well. Father, um, as you have shown us in your word, we are so dependent on your Holy Spirit. Would you help us to be a church that's praying for one another and praying that we would receive more of your Holy Spirit, that we would experience more of these beautiful gifts that we have through him, wisdom, revelation, knowledge, hope, understanding our value, seeing how powerful Christ is. We pray that you will lead us to pray. That we would be a church praying for the work of the Holy Spirit and then, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and you would do these things among us more and more. That we might see the glory of God and be better equipped to tell the world about it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.